morning. So glad you're here this morning. We're going to make our faith declaration. So if you'll go ahead and stand up. We believe that our words have the power of life and death, right? Well, if you really think about that, if you really think that our words have power, then we should be more careful in the things that we say. I mean, we come in here every Sunday and we say, yeah, 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 we believe that our words have power. But then we leave here and we go out and we contradict the very thing that we say we believe in. And sometimes we don't even give it a second thought when negativity is coming out of our mouth. I mean, how many of you know that it's easier to spot negative words coming from someone else than it is in our own mouths, right? (laughs) So we have to have self-talk over ourselves all the time, but the right kind of self-talk. In fact, the number one need for mental health is self-talk. So, but we've got to know what to say. We've got to talk ourselves out of depression. We've got to talk ourselves out of anxiety. We've got to talk ourselves into calmness. So we're going to know today what it is we need to say, and we're going to practice these. So are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's say it. God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now, because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Lord God, we just come to you today, Father, and we lift you up. We lift your name up high, Father, because you rightfully deserve to be lifted high, because you are good, God. And we recognize, Lord, that we can't do it in our own self, Lord, that we have to look to you and be filled with you, Lord God. So right now in this moment, we just pray your Holy Spirit would come in and open up our hearts, be filled with the words I'm about to say, Lord God, and bring revelation and transformation, because that's what you do, God. You're always transforming us. And so we want to look to you in this moment right now. We pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe into these words. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, how was everyone's Christmas this morning? Well, actually, yesterday. It's the day after Christmas. Was it good? I love the Christmas season. I love everything about Christmas. Everything about for Christmas. You're going to ask my family. I love the Christmas shopping. I love the Christmas movies. Hallmark is my favorite show to watch. <laughs> I love the, the Christmas decorating, going and see the Christmas lights. I love the Christmas music. I love Christmas, but mainly because we get to come together and celebrate together the, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus came as God in the flesh, and the Christmas story can be summed up in this one verse out of John 3.16, and it says, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the Christmas story is a love story, that God loved us so much that he gave his son to die as ransom for our sins. I don't know about you, but I have never given one of my children to die for someone else, much less somebody who didn't even deserve it. But God did because he loved us so much, more than we can ever fathom or even know. And I want to read in 1 John um, some scriptures here because it talks about how God is love. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. So let's read in 1 John chapter 4, 
verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, and we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And then it goes on and says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And that's the point of my message today is that we love because he first loved us. And I want to ask you a question today. Are you loving others well? Sounds so simple to love others, yet it's so hard to do, especially today. So many things are happening that make us mad, right? Like family family members not acting right. Our nation is in turmoil, businesses not having integrity, everyone's in disagreement about everything under the sun, and we encounter these people all the time. And we know that they are generally not filled with love, and they're not acting with love. And if we are not filled with God's love, it can be hard to love other people. You know, I always seem to have stories about my family when I come up and have a message. I have another one. I just can't believe some of the stuff that happens to us. <laughs> like this one time, my oldest son, Nate, was in grade school. And I went to go pick him up, and he had two black eyes and a very swollen nose. Now, nobody had called me. Nobody had told me anything had happened. And so I looked at him with disbelief and said, oh, my lands, What happened? And he said, well, I fell off the monkey bars, landed face first into the ground. I said, didn't anybody call me? And he said, I don't know. I went to them. No one knew how bad it actually was. Well, I took him right back into that nurse's office and I asked her, I said, what happened? I didn't drop my son off like this this morning and now he's like this. And she said, oh my goodness. He came in. He had a bloody nose. He said he fell. We cleaned him up. He said everything felt fine. We didn't see anything wrong with him, so we sent him back to class. No one knew how bad it really was. But sure enough, we took him to the doctor, and he had a severely broken nose. (laughs) But our life can be like that. We get hurt, but it doesn't seem that bad. And we brush it off, but we didn't heal And then all of a sudden, these things start popping up in our lives, and it's given us signs that something isn't quite right, and we didn't realize how bad it was. So what is love? How do we show love? Or the better question is that everyone asks is, how do you love in the middle of hurt, in the middle of pain, maybe even bitterness or confusion, 
and anger. How do you show love to your spouse when they hurt you? How do you show love to family members that you, it's just hard to get along with? How do you show love to a friend who maybe offended you? How do you show love to someone you completely and utterly disagree with? Well, Jesus says in John 13, 34, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He says we must love one another. And then 1 Corinthians 16, 14, he says, Do everything with love. So if we're supposed to do everything with love, how do you love when you don't feel like loving? See, you can't give out what you don't possess, right? I mean, you can only give what you have. You can't give out something you don't have. So everything we do either flows from abundance of love or a lack of love. I'm going to let that sink in for just a minute. Think about it. When you're kind to someone, it's out of the overflow of your heart, of that love that's in your heart. The more love you have in your heart, the more love you give away. When something good happens to you, something amazing, like maybe when you landed your dream job, or maybe it was the birth of a child, you were floating on cloud nine and everything around you was filled with excitement and love. So if you can only give what's in you, how do you fill yourself up with love? Especially if the environment you're living in is not a loving environment, or where you work it might be negative, or your family is always finding fault in you. It's simple. You just receive God's love. But it's not so easy because the enemy is going to bring every distraction to you for you to forget about God's love and not take the time to be filled back up with his love. God's love is always there, but there will always be distractions to draw you away. It's similar to marriage. I mean, you have to be close to each other, make time for each other, share your heart with one another to receive that love from each other. It's a daily thing. So it's so important to fill yourself up with God's love. I have come to know I can't go a minute without God's love in my life. I have to constantly renew my mind with God's love. I'm going to ask you, have you ever felt God's love? Not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, but you know, a deep awakening in your soul that God's love was just so tangible. And you felt it in every fiber in your body. Maybe it was during a special prayer time that you were having with God. Maybe something amazing happened in your life that you knew was from God and you felt his love over you. Maybe it was during an incredible time of worship and you felt the connection and you felt his love and it was so real and it changed you. I can remember the the first time I felt God's love so deeply. I was eight years old and so vivid in my mind, and I can remember I was crying my heart out to God in my room. I was not in a good environment. There was abuse between my parents. There was beatings that you can't imagine from my father, and I was crying out to God because I knew that he was a God of love. There wasn't a very loving environment in my family. But because my grandma took me to church, I knew of God, and I knew of Jesus, and I knew of his love. So that day in my room, I was crying out to him. I was always hiding somewhere, hoping, 
wishing somebody would save me. And God came down and he saved me. And I heard an audible voice from God and he said, I love you. That moment, I can't describe the width, the depth, the extreme emotion of all that love that I felt in that moment. God's love came in and saved me. And he changed me. And I knew I couldn't wait for that Sunday. I was Baptist, so back then, they call you down front. And I couldn't wait to run down front to tell him, I gave my life to God. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he filled my life. And then the next day at school, I couldn't wait to go around and tell everybody, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, thinking they would be happy for me. And they just looked at me like, so? But I was on cloud nine because I knew he changed my life. He came in and he gave me a new hope and a new future, and he gave me a new father. Isn't life funny? You can forget how you felt when you first gave your life to Christ. I mean, think about it. If you made Christ your Lord, think back on how it felt, of the love that he flooded you with. He didn't condemn you. He didn't make you change. He just loved you in that moment. Can you remember that feeling after you received him? Wasn't life amazing? I mean, you had hope, thinking everything's going to be okay, smiling at everyone, being nice to everyone. Then what happened? Life comes in and sucks it out of you. And we slowly forget about that first love. Life sets back in and that love slowly diminishes. It probably didn't completely go away, but it leaves you a little bit at a time. And we forget that we have to renew ourselves in that love all the time. I mean, we live in a world now that everywhere you turn, there's anything but love. (laughs) On TV, on the news, on social media, in school, maybe your workplaces, businesses, maybe even your families. In fact, it seems you can find angry people just about everywhere you go. (laughs) I mean, think about it. Get in your car, and I can bet you within two minutes you've experienced an angry person. (laughs) People's hearts are becoming more and more hardened and cynical and angry. People's mental states are very fragile. People are having to deal with a very different society than even two years ago. And they're having to make decisions that affect their livelihoods, affect their health, affect their jobs, maybe even affect their families. And now we're seeing people are more depressed, more worried and anxious than ever before. And if we are not consciously renewing our minds, we can get sucked into that same mentality. I think this verse in Romans is perfect in what Paul says. And I really like the way the Living Translation says it. He says in Romans 12 2, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We need to take care of our hearts and not let it be corrupted by the patterns of this world. But it takes walking with God's Spirit to experience a change within our hearts, a change that no life pattern can ever set in place, no new routine Instead, it's a change that only God can do in our hearts. And when Jesus came to earth, 
He showed us what this kind of life we should strive to live for. And he left us the Holy Spirit to be with us and teach us and guide us into living an internally healthy life. You might be thinking right now, I want to love. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks they want to wake up and just not love, right? But instead of feeling love, maybe you're feeling this nagging feeling all the time. And your mind stews, maybe at the way that someone wronged you or that thing that somebody did to you, or the way your boss treated you. You toss and turn about all the things that are happening with this pandemic, and you're angry. You might even look calm on the outside, but inside you're an internal mess, and you're turning like the sea, and it's hard for you to find rest and peace and love. If that's you today, and you're experiencing this type of turmoil internally, know that there is hope. You do not have to stay in that. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God is a God of hope. With him you can do anything, and God sent us his Holy Spirit as a helper to help us live a life of love. And Paul tells us how the Holy Spirit helps us. In Galatians 5, Starting in verse 16, and again, I like the way the Living Translation says it. He says in verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, and I love the way he starts out with love, because I think when you start with love, then the rest of these are easy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So walking in the Spirit is how we can live a life full of love, and we have to know how to fill ourselves up with God's love every day. It's not just enough to know that God loves you. You have to be filled with that love. And we have to mentally, in our hearts and minds, be filled with that love. So how do we love? Well, first, let me tell you what love is not. Loving people is not accepting bad behavior. Letting someone walk all over you and use you and abuse you is not love. But we read in 1 Corinthians 13 what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, it keeps no record of being wronged, it does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I'm trying more and more in my life, no matter what circumstance I'm in, 
No matter what someone said or didn't say or how they looked at me or whatever is done to me, I have chosen to choose to love. After all, I know what God's love did to me. And it saved me that day in my room when he gave me hope. And he gave me a new future. And the more I'm with God, the more I want to love others. Jesus tells us himself the greatest commandment is to love others. In Matthew chapter 22, when the Pharisees are asking Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he says in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You could sum it up by saying this, the way you love God is loving others. And Paul revisits this command to the Galatians. He says in Galatians 5.14, you obey the whole law when you do this one thing, love your neighbor as yourself. Our command from Jesus is to love, plain and simple. Not to be right, not to have the perfect theology, Not to always think the right things or know the right things or be the most knowledgeable person in the room. But to know how to love others. To love them in such a way that it would show God's love to those who are around us. When we're not loving, whether we realize it or not, our soul, which is our mind and our will and our emotions, our soul feels off. Feels that something isn't quite right. Because we were made in the image of God, and God is love. But we feel out of sorts when we don't love others. I mean, think about it. When you act in a way that's not loving, we become irritable and moody and maybe even angry and not even know why. None of us like things to be out of sorts. I mean, me, I'm a type A personality, and you can ask my family. My house is like my place to use my type A personality. (laughs) Everything is in order pretty much most of the time. Everything has a place because it makes me feel better. I need things to be in order. (laughs) And when you extend love to someone, things just seem better. They feel better. Life is better. And it feels that way for the entire world. Everyone notices it. When a selfless act of love happens, the entire world can recognize it, that it was right when someone commits an act of love. Like a few weeks ago when we did Serve Day and we came together as a community here at the church to pack these boxes of food and to wrap presents for children to bless those people in our community. It just felt good to love. We need things to be set in order, and they're set in order when we love. When you watch or read the news today, you can see that life is all out of order. You see the chaos that surrounds us, but there is a loving way you can bring back that order. You know, the Greeks had several words for the word love, but I want to talk about two of them here just really quick. The first one I want to talk about is eros love. And this is a kind of love that typically refers to a romantic, passionate love. It's a type of love that in its very nature, it has a selfish element. Eros says, I'll love you if I feel like it. The second word for love in the Greek is agape love, which is completely different. Agape love is selfless. Agape love is given when it's not earned or deserved, and it seeks nothing in return. Agape love is who God is, 
And he loves us with an agape love. And he showed us that with the death on his, on his death on the cross. But remember, he didn't just die for each and every single one of us. He cared and loved even for the people who were driving the nails into his hands. That's the kind of love we're called to. Not to just show love to the ones who love us back. Not to just love the ones who meet all of our requirements, but instead to love unconditionally. To love the ones that are different than us. To love the ones that don't share the same view as us. Because agape love is not a feeling. Agape love is a radical love. And when we recognize it and see it in action, everyone agrees that it's good. But it may seem difficult because what we believe really does matter. It really does make a difference. But where we get caught up is in this is we start to think that whoever doesn't believe the same as us is too different from us to love. In our world today, everyone has a platform. Everyone has social media or a blog. And because of that, we've started to believe that all of our opinions matter the most. And that our opinions matter so much that if someone disagrees with them, they're not just different. They're evil or less than, and we verbally attack them. And now we have this mass form of communication online, and we're battling out in a brouhaha, thinking that that's going to do something. Our disagreements with one another is not going to do anything to change the world. But our activism is. Our getting out and loving people is what's going to bring change to the world. Because love is a change agent. And when we love others, love has within it a redemptive power. It transforms people. Abraham Lincoln is a great example of this. When he was running for president, there was man running all over the country talking about him, saying all the bad things he could about him, trying to ruin him and his reputation. This was Abraham's enemy. Then Abraham was elected president, and he had to choose a secretary of war. After searching all over, he decided to choose a man named Edwin Stanton. His advisors were in shock because this was the same man who was running all over the place trying to ruin Abraham Lincoln. And when they asked him why they chose this man who hated him so much, Abraham simply said he was the best man for the job. And Abraham never said a negative word about Edwin. A few months later, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And Edwin Stanton was at his bedside with tears streaming down his cheeks. And he made this beautiful statement about Lincoln's character and stature. And he said this famous quote about him, Now he belongs to the ages. We often think that love does. I mean, love feels, but in reality, love does. It calls us to something bigger. It calls us to action calls us into a place of doing something that will make a difference. Many people say, I wish I knew more of the Bible. I wish I studied theology more so that I could share my faith. But in reality, honestly, just show people love. And then you'll show them who our God is. I always need God because in my flesh, I don't love well. But the more I study God, the more I lean into Him, the more I draw to God, the more love he downloads into me, the more love I receive from him, the more I want to love. 
Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So let me ask again, how well do you love others? We can't control what others do around us, but we can control ourselves. And as we experience and fill ourselves up with the love of God that's available to us personally, we'll be able to extend that love out to others. For me, every day feels like, I'm sure like many of you, it's more than I can handle. And I have to rely on God to renew my mind. I have chosen to put on love, His love, because that is my battle plan. When I have a negative attitude about people and I'm being more um, mean towards them than I need to be or just thinking negatively about them, I I stop myself and renew myself and I'll get in a quiet place and remember God's love that he has for me. It changes my atmosphere. Because in Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when we act on that love that Christ showed when we didn't deserve it, when we extend that love to others, the more love we give out, the more love we receive. Think about that. What did God save you from? He didn't condemn you. He didn't ask you to change. He just loved you. And we loved because he first loved us. So I want to challenge all of us today to choose love, to set your day in motion to love others, to decide in your heart right now, no matter how somebody's treating you, no matter what's going on around you, to choose to love. When you wake up, greet each day with love in your heart. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what the weight feels like, no matter how overwhelming everything seems, if you seek God and draw near to Him, you're going to find Him and you're going to find His love. Because when you draw close to God, He draws close to you. The Lord is always with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. 